Raising the Bets is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Raising the Bets. We're a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston. Join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. I'm Don Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. So, Melanie, this week, we, uh, to to let everyone know what's been going on with us, uh, (laughs) uh, we welcomed your dad to visit. Yep. My, your dad, not my dad, because my dad would be an episode of Mysterious World if my dad came to visit. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, yeah, we have not actually seen my dad since the fall of 2019. Or as I like to call it, the fall of the House of Scots. When all of my, my mom and my dad and my sister all came to visit within like two months. Melanie doesn't think that joke is funny. Melanie's maiden name is Scott. And Melanie's mom and dad and sister all came to visit successively, not all at once, like over the course of several, over a month or and a half or so. And so I call it the fall of the House of Scots. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Will DeCat thought it was funny. He said he left out loud when I, when I told him. So I don't know why it's funny. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, yes, your dad is here to visit, which is really nice. And like you said, we, it's been three years and, and that's the longest you've ever gone without seeing your in, dad in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, it was very weird to go so long without seeing yeah. my parents, my family. That I, I'm sure a lot of people have been in that boat. With yeah. You. Um, so anyway, we're, we're glad that COVID times was over. My dad was able to fit us in, in between, um, his cataract surgeries and his physical therapy. And like he had a space of just one week with no appointments. And he, he's really like literally squeezed us in and right. There is no time otherwise. And his, his very busy. In fact, I think he booked the, the tickets, the plane tickets before he, we even like confirmed with us that it would be, I mean, it's, it, we're not going anywhere, but he just, before he like even confirmed with us was like, I got the tickets already booked, <laughs> so which is nice. It's good. The kids love having your dad here. I mean, and they, in the three years they've grown a lot. So he, he was very impressed at how tall they are now. Yes. Even Lucy's gotten up there with it, with him. So, yeah. Um, so it's been nice. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, your dad's kind of low key. He comes and hangs out and, you know, that's he'll do. He's up to do anything if we go do things. But um, yeah, like like all of my family, my dad is an introvert. And so he does not need a lot of like socializing and excitement. You don't. Yeah, he doesn't expect you to, you know, sit down and talk with him all the time. Not like my family. My family are all extroverts. Yeah. So, yeah, they all require. I mean, I do sit down and talk with him. Like, I don't just like ignore him the whole time. Yeah. But like the first night he came here, we I like stayed up and talked with him until he was ready to go to bed. And I'll probably do that like at least one more time before he leaves. And, um, you know, I've had a few other longer conversations with him, but like we're not a super, super like talky all the time family. Yeah. I noticed that when when early on in our marriage, when we would visit your family in Austin and we there were many days where we all just sat around the very large dining room table, which I love your your family's dining room table. It's it's, it's huge. from Mexico. It's a big, solid it's, piece of tree. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. My parents got it in Mexico, like a lot of their furniture. Yeah, it's like it'll if if, if a tsunami comes, you ride that thing out. Like uh, no kidding, it's like a boat in and of itself. Anyway, we also would sit around the table and have you know we'd all have our laptops or there'd be a Scrabble game or someone would be doing a crossword puzzle whatever we'd all just like hang around the table all day you know chatting at times not chatting at other times reading books or whatever just hanging out which is very relaxing (laughs) it's very relaxing i like i like that um there's no pressure but uh it is different over the years your dad's visits have changed because in the earlier earlier years of our, our marriage uh he would come and do things he would like fix things and since since his stroke he has been a lot less you slow down a lot. Do we? Yeah. He's just, he's not as capable of doing things. Um, you know, he's, he's a little bit more frail. 
Um, and he's in his seventies. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's life. That's life. It is. So it's nice to have him here. Uh, and as is our custom, when he arrived uh, that first night, he took us out to dinner at the Legal Seafood. Which, if you're if you if you've been to the Boston area or you are from the Boston area, you know that Legal Seafood is the iconic Boston seafood chain, right? There, there's right. several, and there's a local one near us. And, uh, it, you know, it's always a great time. And, you know, the, although they used to have on the kids menu, a half lobster that the kids could get and our, our several, several of our kids expected that it would be there. And when it wasn't, they were not happy. Yeah. I, I guess this is part of the whole, everything's more expensive right now. Yeah. Thing. So it's not available, but yeah. Well, we, it was disappointing. We eventually found things that they like. And I mean, Ben loved those mussels. We got him yeah. the, a muscle appetizer. And, you know, so it was nice. It was, it's really a, a, my, a my, very ge- generous of your dad, for one thing, to take us yes. out. My dad was a little bit disappointed. Um, he's recently developed gout, which meant he couldn't have any shellfish. Um, and, you know, he usually gets either, if not lobster, then he gets scallops or shrimp or something like he really likes shellfish. And that's unfortunately off the, the table now. It's so off the menu. He was he was a little bit sad, but he he found a Mexican street cod that he said was really good. So. Meats off the menu, boys. You know, what that's from, right. That's from. Uh, um, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. When the uh, orcs were carrying Mary and Pippin off to Orthanc. Anyway, so um, in the movie, sure, not the book. Well, in the uh, I don't want to get to it, but in the book they actually argue about eating them. But that's they do all. argue about eating them. But, but I don't they think don't that, use that, that line. That line is not there. Uh, it's been a while since I've read the book, even though I've read it many, many times. Uh, I'll have to, if, have to. If we had Isabella here, she could tell us because yes, she's she got has, the phenomenal memory. Bella has memorized. Bella is like her reading is. What was it the other night? She read the Scarlet Letter in one night. Yeah, she, a friend of hers had been talking about it, and she saw it on the shelf, and she was curious, so she picked up the Scarlet Letter before dinner. This was actually the day that we went out to dinner with my dad, um, the day he got here, mm-hmm. and she picked it up. And took it with her in the car, and by the, by bedtime she came in and she said she'd finished it. <laughs> this was the fun thing was that it was my copy from that I that I read when I was in college and I took American literature, and so it had lots and lots of notes annotations in the margin, like with my my in class notes, like from from my professor, um, Dr. Kurtzinger. And Isabella said, oh, the notes were very helpful. <laughs> so I had to share that on my alumni group that my, my daughter had found Dr. Kurtzinger's notes helpful when with the Scarlet Letter. That's funny. Uh, so yeah. on Saturday, uh, our little town, Holbrook, Massachusetts, was celebrating its 150th anniversary, which, you know, the grand scheme of things, I know that there are lots of towns older or whatever, but, you know, it's our little town. Uh, we broke off from the nearby town of Randolph over... Over election fraud. <laughs> well, not so, tell the story. Okay, of because because so, they were they, they related it at the at the parade, right? Yes. Okay. The, the town historian. We we have a town historian, uh, self nominated, um, told the story among other stories, but evidently uh, Holbrook used to be East Randolph, and at the time Randolph was renovating the. Hall, which is called Stetson Hall. I think it was the town hall, but it was like a big meeting hall. And there was something about the cupola and there was a disagreement. And all the people from East Randolph, which is now Holbrook, uh, sort of got together as a voting block and they voted for wanting it done their way. And they won. They, They carried the vote and then they left and went home. And after they were gone, the people from Randolph, the, rest of Randolph. the rest of Randolph had enough people to make a quorum. And so they had another vote and they <laughs> voted it their way. And so it ended up being done their way. And that was the precipitating thing that led Holbrook to become its own town, to, to stop being East Randolph and to become Holbrook, Massachusetts. Not exactly election fraud, but election tinkering, shall we say. I, I love that story. Yeah. It's, so the lesson here is 
don't leave the meeting until it's been adjourned. <laughs> Evidently. Yes. Once the meeting is adjourned, they can't hold another vote. That The vote becomes final. Don't leave the meeting till the meeting's been adjourned. Uh, or, unle- or unless you've determined that there is not going to be a quorum after you've left. So anyway, that's funny. So, but there was 150 uh, parade. And the reason why that's notable for the podcast is uh, I was... I actually had to stay home and record podcasts with uh, Jimmy. That's not why it was notable. But what was notable was the rest of y'all went to the parade. Uh, The, the, the scouts all marched in the parade. Of course. um, And the girls troop was chosen to be the color bearers at the very front of the parade. So um, three of the girls carried flags, uh, Ayane carried the American flag. She's the senior patrol leader. She's the senior patrol leader. And Isabella carried the uh, Holbrook, the Massachusetts state flag. And Sophia carried the Holbrook town flag. Right. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, In fact, I'm going to see if I can use one of the pictures either that you took or that Chris took for the uh, episode artwork. Uh, Hopefully that'll that'll work out. It was pretty cool. That was the, the the parade route was about a mile and a half. Oh, you looked at it. Yeah. Um, Again, not a big town. A mile and a half is about half the length of the town. Right. (laughs) Um, They they went from the the CVS parking lot down to the school. Yeah, we have one main road that kind of bisects town north to south. And so we have a a CVS at the north end of town and a CVS at the south end of town. Literally, like literally on the border on both both ends. And so they march from the north CVS to the school, which is about the middle of town. And yeah, they pass by town hall, which is, which is about the halfway point. Uh, no, the school's really about, ha- well, the halfway point of the parade. Of yes. the parade route. Yep. 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 So, uh, yeah. And you know, Anthony and Ben and Lucy were all there with marching with troop and pack 56 as well. Their, their troop. Uh, and that was really nice. So beautiful day for it. You and your dad, um, we dropped the kids off, dropped the kids off. Yeah. And then we parked at the library, which, it's across think, the street from the town which hall. Which is across the street from the town hall. I think perhaps we weren't technically supposed to park at the library, but um, we did anyway. Yeah, whatever. There weren't that many people at the parade that, like, we were, like, taking up the parking lot or anything. Right. Um, and then after the parade was over, we, we adjourned to the library to wait for the scouts to... To come back from the back. school. Nice. So, uh, really fun. And the kids had a good time. I they think. did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the girls were sore from carrying the flags. Yeah, Sophie was complaining today. She said, my arms are sore. I don't know why my arms are sore. And I'm like, because uh, you walked two miles carrying a flag? No, the flag was in the flag holder. You know, the, the that holster strappy thingy that you wear. But even then, you're still holding the flag up. Yeah, well, I mean, you're still holding your arms in front of you yeah. stiffly for a long time. Right, right. So, yeah, that's good. Nice. So very glad for that. And then uh, that was yesterday. And then today, another beautiful day. So I was telling you yesterday, Melanie, the local weathermen here in Boston were saying that we haven't had a rainy weekend day since all summer, like since the beginning, June 21st. We, there's not been a measurable. There's been a there's one day that had a measurable amount of rain. And it was in the hundreds of an inch. Uh, otherwise, we've had a beautiful summer and this weekend was no different. And we decided you decided we can't just, waste this day inside. We need to go pl- someplace outdoors. I every once in a while, I just get really itchy to be. You get a bug. I, I I do. I get really itchy to be outside, out and about. I need, I need fresh air, sunshine, and nature, or I get really crabby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, at first, my thought was to, to go like hiking in a forest. Mm-hmm. See the foliage and all that sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. The kids, however, were not really thrilled with this idea. Maybe because they did a really long walk yesterday, um, and there was grumbling and complaining. Mm. And also because last week we didn't watch anything in the afternoon. We did other things last Sunday, and so we wouldn't be able to wa- do our usual watch a thing this Sunday either. I think that played into it, too. Yes. Anyway, I suggested the beach, knowing that our kids are more likely to be excited about beaches than forests, um, such as the way things are. And that that actually garnered a lot more excitement. So we ended up going to, back to Nantasca Beach. We went to the fantastic Nantastic Beach in the uh, beautiful seaside village of Hull. We went, we went to Hull, to Hull. today. 
<laughs> you went to Hull and back. Oh. So we we walked down the beach. Um, there were a few people Little, swimming. Quite a, yeah, there were people swimming, yes. There, there were a couple small children swimming. Yes. There were no adults. Um, but there were. But there were at least two dozen people paddle boarding and surfing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in wetsuits. Well, yes. <laughs> um, it it was chilly. Yeah, it was, it was kind of breezy down there. It was warming here. It was a beautiful, like like seventy something degree day here at our house. But down by the water, it was a little colder. It was a little, you know. At first, when we first got there, I was thinking I really should have brought a jacket. But once we got walking, I was fine. Yep. Now your dad, when when he walks, he he's like a man on a mission. Like he just you wind him up and he goes. <laughs> Story of my childhood. We went. We would go on hikes. You know, a lot of parents are very concerned. They're constantly looking back to make sure the make kids sure are everybody stay up. together. Don't get no one wander off. No one leave that's, the trail. That's not my dad. My my dad once left me behind on, on a mountain on a mountaintop, and um, I I couldn't keep up with the pace of the rest of my family. This was when I was a teen, and I ended up collapsing on the side of the trail, and I had to wait like a good hour or more until they finished getting up to the top and then came back down because they <laughs> did not wait for me. I was yeah. not thrilled. <laughs> yeah. So Which is to say that my dad started walking down the beach and yes. Natasca beach is long. It's several miles long. Oh, it's miles long. Yes. Yeah. Quite, quite a long way. Um, I think he walked about a mile and a half down the beach, maybe slightly more. And he was going steadily enough that there was no way I was ever going to catch up with him. Right. The kids could catch up with him if they ran. Anyway, you got tired and turned around. I, t- I got tired about a mile in. Yeah. yeah. A mile into the walk. Um. So then we walked another at least at least half a mile, maybe another yeah. three quarters I, of I a maybe, mile. I maybe turned around a, a mile, a three quarters of a mile. It was pretty far down. And see, the thing with Natasca Beach is when the tide comes in at certain, like at the 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 parts near the parking lot it the, the beach disappears it's all underwater and there's a seawall and so you have to not be on the beach you have to go up and walk on the sidewalk back and i'm like i don't want to i want to get back there before the, the 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 beach gets covered and all that sort of stuff um anyway the the, the kids had fun eventually we we sent somebody running ahead to to tell my dad that we were all turning around right um but i think I think it was at least I walked at least three miles round trip and my dad walked more because your dad walks like three miles a day. He walks three miles a day and he usually swim like at home. He walks three miles plus swims um, partly for, for, you know, phys- fitness, physical therapy reasons. And uh, yeah, so but beautiful day, beautiful, uh, you know, Nantasket Beach. It kind of brings back what we've been saying, like last fall, you know, when we had our flood and we had to spend a few months in rental housing, two of them were by the beach. And so it was really nice. You know, it wasn't summer beach weather. It was fall beach weather. And fall beach is actually really nice. Um, even or in even early winter beach, it can be really nice, too. And it's just different. And so it's uh, not swimming, but, but the beach is a nice place to walk and pick up shells. And oh, there's always so much going on. If you if you if you know if you if you know what to look for, if you're looking for it, I mean, it's not just sand and water and rocks. There's a lot going on, but you got to be you got to keep your eyes open and you get familiar with it, especially when you spend a lot of time there like we did you're familiar with the tides and the and the different moods of the uh of the ocean and yeah it's, it, it becomes you, something sometimes you find pools of hermit crabs and sometimes you see seals and sometimes you find dead seals wops, headless wops dead seals on the beach <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yes so uh yeah it was a nice walk on the beach today so let's talk about food I got to burn my saddle to make some seafood salad this week. I think it was Father Roderick who kind of gave it was his podcast. And I think he made a seafood salad thing or a imitation crab salad thing. And so I was like, you know, I should make something. Knowing, and like, I know your dad, like you mentioned, couldn't eat shellfish right now. Um, so I got the imitation uh, crab meat, which is made of Alaskan Pollock. It's fish you know made to look and taste vaguely like crab so um crab with a k as i tell the kids so i i was gonna make a crab salad or a seafood salad but i didn't want to just like regular old seafood salad i wanted something a little different and you suggested maybe 
curried curried so like but not like the curried seafood salad you see on like on salad bars but like an indian style like so it would have the indian curry flavors uh but we couldn't make it too spicy or too strong otherwise the kids wouldn't eat it well it, well it turned out you didn't make it too spicy or strong and none of the kids ate it anyway right. so it was you, kind of a you waste. could have just made it like super spicy which would have been better <sighs> yes and in fact the leftovers i ended up adding a bunch of sriracha to it it was better. <laughs> it was good. In fact, I think if I were to do it again, I would go like sushi style uh, seafood salad, like a Japanese sushi style, because the, they use this the same sort of thing in um, California rolls. This is what they use in California rolls. You know, I've I've done that before, um, like like sushi in a bowl where you, you make the sushi rice and you add nori flakes and... Mm-hmm. Um, you could use the QP mayonnaise and you could add sriracha. Cucumbers to, to and avocados. And right. I did put cucumber in the salad. I added cucumber, celery, uh, mayonnaise, uh, Greek yogurt, and a little uh, Dijon mustard, curry powder from Colchester Curry House, who has been a sponsor of Mysterious World in the past. Um, and they're not a sponsor now, but I still, by the way, buy their curry their curry powder is good curry powder mixes they have various mixes uh jeffrey does and it's a hobby thing for him he's he he does this on the side it's his mom's recipes i guess go check it out if you like curry colchestercurryhouse.com definitely worthwhile i mean i I say that as a free a free plug uh he's not sponsoring us right now uh we're still buying it but he hasn't given me any we paid for it uh it's really good so added the curry powder uh, a little lemon i think i added uh or was it lime i think i added lime juice to it anyway it was good but if i yeah if i were to do it again and i might do it again sometime i might do it as a sushi in a bowl and go more that route and i think the kids might like that because the kids like sushi yeah so that, that might actually be more popular especially if i phrase it as sushi in a bowl like i, I think the psychology of it is a big part of whether yeah. they like something or not like if they are positive to to it before they try it then they're more likely to like it i think in general it's all about selling it all right but a, a much more successful uh, thing that I cooked was this was it the same night I think it was same night. was cast iron apple fritters now this was a hit let me see if I can oh yeah they were good find they're basically it like donuts they're basically apple donuts but they're they're the apple so what you do is you take some granny smith apples peel core cut into little pieces uh, you add them to you have a f- all-purpose flour, sugar, baking powder, salt, ground cinnamon, ground nutmeg. Um, and then you make a mixture of, and that's the dry ingredients. And then you, you put those all together. And then you have apple cider, egg, uh, melted butter. And those are the wet ingredients. You mix them together. It's It makes a pretty lumpy dough. And there's chunks, there'll be chunks of apple in it. And I think that's one of the things that makes it different from, say, a cider donut. Cider donuts do not have chunks of apple right they're not they're not apple donuts they're just cider right so um then you 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 heat some like a half inch of oil in a cast iron pan and take a third cup scoop of the mix and drop it in and kind of mash it down a little and you let it cook and you flip once it's brown you flip it over you cook the other side and then move it off onto some papers and then you make a glaze of confectioner uh sugar cinnamon nutmeg and cider so you make that as a glaze and then you just drizzle it over them once it's done it was really good i i kind of wish they were a little crispier they they ended up not i think if we'd eaten them right away when they came out of the pan they would have been crispier but you made them before dinner as opposed to after dinner right well if it was after dinner it would have been like late at night before we had them but yeah maybe maybe next time just make them as like an afternoon snack or something i might have also the oil might have been too hot or not hot enough when i cooked them i don't know if this if they were done entirely in the middle they were they were they they might have they're a little on the doughy side yeah the the first ones were like the oil was pretty hot but uh, you know it's we have the the glass top stove and it's just it's really hard to get it to to maintain a steady temperature and the temp kept dropping 
I should have cranked the heat up again. I mean, the cast iron is supposed to hold the heat, but it wasn't holding it as well. And it just, it kept dropping. So when the temperature is too low, it it doesn't, I don't think it cooks the interior as well. I don't know. In any case, um, it could have been more cooked on the inside, but um, the kids loved it. It was, they were good. I think they were really good. They were great fall dessert. Oh, yeah. um, I would make these for, I was thinking like if we ever had another like um, court of honor potluck thing where we're supposed to bring a dessert, uh-huh. I would totally do this. I mean, it's pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. I mean, it's a little time consuming, but not you know, do in maybe an hour. It was really good. The recipe, I doubled the recipe and it was made 20 fritters, which is, you know, was plenty. So, uh, yeah. So that was what we've been cooking. Let's talk and I'll put a link to the, the recipe. That's an America's test kitchen recipe. That one, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, Let's talk about what we've been uh, watching and reading. So we watched the finale of She-Hulk. And so I knew I was kind of getting a little down on She-Hulk about they were around the sixth episode. There were eight episodes total, right? I think. Right. And right around the wedding episode, I got kind of down on it. But the last couple episodes, what do you think? Well, let's talk about the finale finale without being without spoiling too much. But the, one of the big sticks of the show is the fourth wall breaking. And they just, they went for it in the final episode. They totally went uh, that, that over the top in the fourth wall breaking. I, I have to say that actually kind of sold me on the episode. Like they'd been doing it just, I feel like almost not enough in previous episodes. Like she, she talks to the camera maybe once or twice. Yeah. This, I felt like really, it almost felt like it wasn't worth it. If it's, she's just going to make a couple of asides, that's not really fourth wall breaking. It's kind of. I mean, this went over the top. Like the other shows have done fourth wall breaking. Like remember House of Cards? He would kind of turn to the camera and address us, uh, the Kevin Spacey character. Right. But this one, she literally climbed out of the out of the TV at one point um, onto the back lot at Disney. So. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I, it was it was a fun episode. Um, I really liked where it ended up. I mean, it's still as far as Marvel shows concerned, it's very much more sitcommy. It's not really up. It's not the same quality level of quality as right as of the other Marvel TV shows. Right. This is what this is my my take on it is. Um, it was funny. It breaks the mold of typical superhero stories. So they're at least they're doing something different. Okay. I, I was getting tired of the show, but the last couple of episodes were pretty good. It's when I realized it's just a network sitcom with superhero character, I lowered my expectations and I was okay with it. If I were to rank all the Disney plus Marvel shows, it would be at the bottom. Honestly, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Ms. Marvel, uh, Hawkeye, all of those are, were really have been good. Even uh, Night Monkey was um, night. <laughs> Moon Knight. Moon Knight was really good. Uh, you know, it was better compared to it. So it's it's not that it was terrible. It's just it's not as good as the others. Um, and the best parts of the show were the cameos, to be honest. When she was interacting yeah. with, uh, I mean, is it a spoiler to say who she interacts with? I suppose it's a little bit. Um, she interacts with other superheroes who show up. From people from other Marvel properties, three, three of them in particular who show up and those were honestly, yeah, the best bits. Yeah. I mean, um, plus, um, oh, what's the guy, the, 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 the guy who plays her dad, who's from the TV show, um, with Belky and, oh, from the eighties sitcom. Oh, I had it in my head. Now it's gone. Anyway, her dad is the actor who plays her dad was in that TV show, a TV show from the, the, uh, sitcom from the eighties. Uh, perfect strangers yes that's what it was um anyway so in the end uh, there's probably going to be a season two i think i think this they announced it but i'm not I sure so. um so i don't know i mean it was it was okay it was it was I, I would say overall it was okay it had its moments so uh the other thing i wanted to talk about was the finale from rings of power the amazon series which I still have. You haven't movie. watched any of. So I, I'm again, no spoilers, although, you know. Anyone who's read the Lord of the Rings 
who's even seen the movies knows this is a prequel to that. So you know what's going to happen. Or, you know, some people who survive and don't. There's some surprises in it. Um, and I'm surpri- what I'm surprised by are the takes that some people have come away with. Some people have been really negative about it. Oh, they've done violence to the canon. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me because people... People in general... Have very strong feelings about Tolkien. Well, I think people in general these these days, fans, quote-unquote, are very negative to adaptations in, in almost all circumstances. Whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, Lord, you know, Tolkien, whatever it is, there's a lot of negativity toward toward any type of adaptation. Pe- people like original things. People like Severance. People like Ted Lasso. You know, there's almost universal acclaim for these original things. But anytime there's an adaptation, there's a lot of negativity. And I'm not sure what that says or why that would be. But in any case, um, in this- I think that oftentimes people want, they think that they want the same thing. Yeah. Or they, maybe they do want the same thing and they don't really want I think I think that in in some ways an adaptation can't win because if right. it's too much like the original, whatever, then it feels unoriginal and trite, derivative. Well, and, but but yeah. if it's but if it's too different, then it doesn't have the elements that people were expecting or wanted from the property. So I think that I think the adaptations just they can't win those people over. Right there's there's just going to be a core set of people for whom it's either too similar or too different from what they want. Right. And so it's either going to be not original enough or too different or it's, or, and the thing is that what people are looking for in terms of like what, what they want to be the same is going to be different from person to person. So there's not like there's some sort of formula you can create. Right. Well, and let's be clear. The, the art forms are different. A book and a movie are, or a TV show are different art forms and you like you cannot just translate a book into a tv show it you can't it's just the, the this, is, this is why in general as a rule <laughs> i don't really enjoy adaptations adaptations because i kind of when i like something i i like it for what it was the what originally. it was in the original and i don't really necessarily enjoy things right adapted for a different purpose like i understand that it should be different like a, a movie is not a book and yet usually what i love about a book is lost when it's translated to film and therefore i'm just not as interested yeah whereas i enjoy things for what they are you know and i can hold them both things separately in my mind uh i still love the books i enjoy the movies i enjoy the, the the tv show i i enjoy them separately so let me talk briefly about rings of power the and people's reaction to it one of the complaints has been it does violence to the canon oh it's not they they break the canon and i have to laugh because the 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 setting as i've said before is the second age of middle earth and it is the least documented of tolkien's writings the least he, he wrote the least complete thing about this era so everything that we have about this era is in rough form and what most people would regard as quote unquote the canon is either what's in the silmarillion or the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. And the what was in the Silmarillion is, to put it in a crude way, Christopher Tolkien's fanfic of his dad's writings. I mean, he, he took all of his dad's writings and chose his the, the version he liked best. Because Tolkien, you know, John Ronald was always, until the day he died, revising his writings. He kept changing it and changing it and changing it. And so there were so many versions. And if you ever look at the multi-volume History of Middle-Earth collection of his writings, you'll see how much he was constantly changing these stories. So there he, is, was a, he was a tinkerer. He was. A, he makes George Lucas and J.K. Rowling look like pikers in comparison. Like, he's, like he, was, he was always tinkering and changing. And in fact, I saw someone today posted on Twitter excerpts from a letter that he wrote to a publisher in 1951, a prospective publisher of the Silmarillion. He was shopping around at the time, explaining what was going on in these stories in the second age. And what he wrote in description is apart from the time compression from the TV series, which again, different had to be done. I mean, didn't have to have to be done, but really they, they, that's it was a, a, a production decision that they, which I'm, it's fine. I'm fine with whatever. But apart from the time compression, 
pretty much the same. This pre- they pretty much followed what he wrote, not not letter for letter, word for word, but his uh, description in his con- condensation of that story is is contained in there in a way that it isn't in the Silmarillion or the appendices. You know, uh, the other difference is Galadriel wasn't mentioned in his story um, summary. Um, whereas she has a huge role in the Rings of Power, which I'm okay with. She actually worked worked out pretty well in my point of view. There's a huge um, Christ Temptation of the Desert sequence in this in the finale, which I really loved. Uh, I mean, there's just so much about this, especially finale, made me think about the Tolkien and these the stories in a new way and. In some ways, it makes Sauron a much more interesting character than he was as just the eye, a free-floating spirit in The Lord of the Rings. You know, in, in Lord of the Rings, is just the Dark Lord in his castle, the eye looking for you, and just sort of this ominous evil presence. But in this, he becomes much more personal, much more... This is a, He was a person who made a decision for evil, the ultimate evil. And how did he become that way? And what was, what was he like to deal with in person? And especially when he was hiding, because Tolkien writes about how uh, he came to the elves in Eregion, the uh, elvish kingdom uh, in disguise in a fair form, uh, taught them lore on how to make the rings of power and also took from them lore on the rings of power and so on and so forth. And, I just it was, I thought it was fascinating, and I liked the, what what they did. I, I really do. It's not perfect, but I liked it. So um, that's my take on it, anyway. So um, how about you? Said you haven't really watched much this week, but you've read a few things. What? Tell me about uh, what you've read. I, so I finished reading Sally Thomas's Works of Mercy, which was a really delightful novel. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I I'm hope hoping she writes more. Um, maybe even more with the same characters, because the way this story ended definitely left room for. It, it ties up the themes thematically, but but it left room for more exploration of the characters. Hmm. Um, so the. Um, it really did sort of thematically explore the I, you know, the the the, the works of mercy. Uh, mm hmm. And what I really liked about it was that it kind of showed how doing the works of mercy as an obligation, just as we're we're commanded to do these things, to to feed the hungry, to to visit the sick. And sometimes we do those things out of a sense of obligation, not out of love so much as like duty. But it really showed how sometimes doing things out of a sense of duty and obligation can grow into love and it can connect us to community, especially when we're disconnected. I really loved how the the protagonist at the beginning um, is very disconnected. She's a widow. She goes to church. But other than that, she doesn't really have connections to the community. She She was an immigrant who married into this community and she doesn't really belong. But doing these works of mercy eventually knits her into the community in a much deeper way. And I really loved that Hmm. Um, as somebody who myself have a tendency to be, you know, introverted and the, the main character was definitely sort of an introvert bookish type. I liked how she came to get entangled with various characters some of whom she didn't really like very much at first. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sympathy for that um, because that's kind of me. So I highly recommend uh, Sally Thomas's Works of Mercy. Uh, I think it's. Oh, no, I can't remember the press. It's a, it's a small. It'll, uh, there'll be an Amazon press, link but, but in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. Um, then I also this week read uh, Fire and Hemlock by Diana Wynne-Jones. Uh, which is a standalone novel. I've read some of her other series before, the Crestomancy series and the um, Howl's Moving Castle and sequels. Uh, this one was a standalone novel, fairly large, um, based on the 
Scottish ballad Tamlin, which is about the uh, the guy who's been stolen away from the fairies and the woman who has to um, free him. Okay. In the in the ballad, she, uh, a young woman, often called Janet, uh, has to hold on to him while the fairy, the queen of the fairies, makes him change shape um, multiple different ways. This one was a very interesting. It's set in England and it's in modern day England, and it follows the protagonist is a young girl. I think she's like ten or eleven at the beginning of the story, and it follows her until she's about nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I really liked it. It drew on a, it had a lot of literary allusions, um, not only to uh, Tamlin, but also to Thomas the Rhymer and um, a lot of other English mythologies. And my favorite, she used as one of the structural elements, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. And not huh. The Wasteland, The Four Quartets, mm-hmm. um, which I really loved. Like there's this, very subtle, but at a few points, if you know the four quartets, very noticeable uh, allusions to it, which, you know, Elliot's my man. So that was fun. Cool. Awesome. I was noticing that she died in 2011, mm-hmm. the same year that her husband died. Uh, he must have died after her, I think, that same year, though. She died of uh, cancer. Yeah, she was she was a great novelist. Um, yeah, I was curious of all the things she wrote, but she wrote quite a lot. She was very prolific. Yeah. I, I've only scratched the surface of her novels, um, but I'm enjoying like slowly making my way through her, her oeuvre. Yep. Cool. Awesome. So uh, for our... Uh, um, our mass homily section of today's episode. Uh, today, the mass was celebrated by Father Joachim, who at our parish, who is a uh, Cape Verdean priest. I, I, I noticed, I mentioned to Melanie, to, to you after mass, that we had three different countries represented uh, you know, in the sanctuary today. The, the, the celebrant was from Cape Verde. The cantor was from Haiti. And the lector was from, I'm not sure where in Africa she's from. I think she might be Nigerian, but I'm not sure. I know she's definitely from Africa. I want to say Ghana, but I'm not 100% sure that's correct. I know I've heard it before, and I'm just, I'm blanking. Yeah, but that's that's our parish. It's just awesome how our parish has these immigrants from all these different countries. It's really cool. So the you may recall that the readings were, uh, the first reading is about um, the battle against the uh, Amaleks and the Amal- Am- Amalekites, I guess, and um, Moses, whose you know hands in the air, they win. Hands fall down, they lose. So he keeps his hands up. And then the gospel is the uh, the widow and the unjust judge, who um, she bugs until he gives her a just decision. So, but both of them are about persistence in prayer, right? And so father said, you know, the, the, the Exodus reading was one of his favorites as a kid because, you know, battles. So um, it's interesting how, you know, they, they're, they're traveling to the area of the uh, Am- of Amalek. Okay. The, their region on the way to the, the, the promised land and they go to battle and Moses tells Joshua, pick out certain men and go out and engage Amalek in battle. And so, and then Moses goes to the top of the hill and um, with Aaron and her, <laughs> if you ever say Aaron, her, Aaron and her, I think of Aaron Burr. Aaron, her, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's the Burr, sir. So, um, and it's this interesting thing about how, you know, when it's, as long as he's got his hands in the praying, hands raised is prayer. As long as Moses is praying, they're, they're winning. And I was thinking about that, like, so in, in the sense, Joshua wasn't in command of the battle. God was. Right. It didn't matter what strategy or tactics Joshua engaged, really, in the end. It, what mattered was Moses' prayer. You see this a lot in the Old Testament, though, where it's really not to us, Lord, but to your name, give the glory, because God wins. Like when they take, when they take uh, the city of Jericho, they just march around the walls, right. blowing the horns, and... 
then eventually the walls fall down. Right. They they don't actually do they don't have any siege engines. It's just the power of God represented by the ark and the people trusting in God. Right. Exactly. Um, one of the things Father noted is that we don't get a blow by blow account of the battle on the ground. All we get is the look at the battle, the spiritual battle on the hilltop mm-hmm. where Moses gets tired and the battle starts to go badly for Joshua and the army. And then Aaron and her come and they hold up Moses's hands so that he doesn't fail. And, and it, there's another parable in that, which is we support each other in prayer. It's, it's, it's communal prayer. It's praying together. My father made the point, and I really liked this, um, that, you know, we. Sometimes we can't pray for ourselves like we need other people to pray for us. Right. We're, we're tired. We're exhausted. We're sick. We're we're spiritually lost. And. It doesn't matter, really, in, in terms of if we have a community praying for us, you know, we're like Aaron and her physically lifting up Moses's arms. Right. Lifting up his prayer in that sense. Right. So, so the prayer is not just an act of like individuals. It's the act of a community. Right. And, and Father said, like, you know, keep praying, keep praying. Even if you feel like God's not answering your prayer, keep praying because Sometimes the answer to the prayer comes on that next attempt when you've given up, you're ready to quit, and you say one more time. <laughs> like just just one more for you, Lord. Just one more. And you get and maybe that's when you get your answer. And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, but then you get your answer. Uh and Father said something else which was very interesting. Good things they say good things come to those who wait. Better things come to those who pray while they wait. You know, don't just wait for good things to come. Take an active role by praying for it as well. So I, th- I thought that was really good. And I love this gospel because th- you have this, this, this widow and you have this judge and it's, you, he feared, neither feared God nor respected any human being. He sounds like a corrupt judge. Okay. Or unjust is how he's often described. And the widow in the town says, render a just decision for me against my adversary. She's not asking for special treatment. She's not asking for him to uh, to be biased in her favor. She knows she's in the right. She knows if the judge were to ju- just to rule, he would give he would rule in her favor because she's in the right. And he's refusing to rule, which says to me he's probably been bought off or he's corrupt or maybe he just can't, can't be bothered. But it sounds to me like he might have been bought off. Right. Um, but eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, I shall deliver a just decision for this widow, lest she finally come and strike me, (laughs) which is awesome because it's like, look, I'm not afraid of nobody except this widow who might come and hit me. (laughs) I don't want to get whacked by her. And I I think it's funny that he's, he's afraid of the widow to come in. who might come and hit him. Uh, I just thought that was amusing. Um, so, you know, if even an unjust judge will rule or dishonest judge will rule justly, if you bug him enough, how much more will God, who is just and who is good, answer your prayer if you pray, if you keep persistent in prayer? So, and it's not like our persistence, like change, like God said, no, 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 no. And then... On our 100th ask, like the kids, oh, for crying out loud, okay. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like we wear God down. It's we wear our hearts down. Because, well, because what prayer doesn't change God, it changes, it changes us. Like what God wants is for us to line, align our wills with his, to align our lives with him. And so by persisting in prayer, turning constantly to God, we are turning our hearts towards him. And we're changing ourselves. We change ourselves. And perhaps over time, we come to realize more deeply what God's will for us in the situation is. I mean, that's sort of the ideal is to to align ourselves with him. The more we pray, the more sensitive we become to the, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And so there could come a point in your prayer where you realize, you know what? I'm asking for the wrong thing. 
or you know what, this isn't God's will, or I'm asking in the wrong way, <laughs> or 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 even just I need to amend my life. The, 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 I need to set this aside and go and fix this thing in my life, or um, whatever it is that God is trying to say to you. But the more we pray, the more we hear. I mean, this has been convicting to me, frankly. I I realize I'm not praying enough. I need to start praying, reading the scripture more than, than I have. Um, my prayers come, become a little reg- rote and stale, and I need to mix it up a bit and really start opening up my heart again to God and have him speaking to me. And I need to take the time to do that. So, uh I mean, I, I love the story amuses me because of the, this image of the widow coming whacking the uh, the judge with the stick, but it's also convicting, and uh, so I'm I'm glad for it. Uh, so I think that should do. Any more on that? I, um, I think that was about that's, it. That's, yeah. That's it. All right. So before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Raising the Bets, including Daniel C., Barrett H., Philip D., James C., and Kyle M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue Raising the Bets and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. You'll find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Send your feedback on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Send an email to bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Write a review at Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Until next time, I'm Don Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who.